0: Yeah! It's Josh Williams here with another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast, guys. I'm very excited because today my guest, uh, he's performed at Just for Laughs, the Halifax Comedy Fest. He's got a one-hour Comedy Now special on the Comedy Network, and he was the winner of the Canadian Comedy Award nom- uh, sorry, uh, for Best Male Stand-Up. So not a nominee, the winner of the Best Male Stand-Up. Pete Zedlacher is here with me today. Thank you for joining me.
1: Five-time nominee. Are you? One-time winner. <laughs> and winner of the SiriusXM's Top Comic. Right. Did that um open mic with Mike Bullard right
0: <laughs> I was gonna say I had so many of the credits and I had to pick which ones I want to start with because I, I definitely want to
1: get into all the things you've done and it doesn't CSN's stop there. off the record I did an episode right? of that yeah. <laughs> with
0: is that with the one with Cabby? no that's uh Michael
1: Landsberg. Landsberg. yeah, yeah. how's he doing I don't know that's still on the air <laughs> I don't know
0: like? I've seen him occasionally and I feel like I was looking at one of those spitting image shows with the puppets oh boy yeah 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 he's got a lot of makeup on yeah. him. Um, welcome to the, uh, the podcast. Thanks for, for doing this. Um, as always, uh, I want to just plug off the top before anyone starts listening to this, that you are here all weeks. So this episode is coming up Friday morning. You mm. are here headlining okay. absolute comedy in Ottawa for the rest of the week. Uh, where are you next after this?
1: Um, next, next chunk of my, uh, tour is, uh, the investors group comedy tour. So I'm Ooh. doing the, uh, the East coast, um, dates of those. Then. And then I have a lot of, on the exact opposite side of the country, I'm going to be in um, uh, Vancouver's comedy mix okay, uh, at the end of September, um, Heckler's in Victoria, um, and then Australia. And then I'm going to Australia.
0: Oh, just that's it?
1: Yeah. That's, <laughs> just the yeah. investors group,
0: the biggest uh, yeah, Canadian biggest, comedy tour item. That, the it's nice. On.
1: Yeah. It's a nice little uh, <laughs> money in
0: my pocket. That's great. Yeah. Well, then don't miss your chance, guys. It's Friday morning. That means you have two opportunities to see Pete. Uh, you know, at absolute comedy, Ottawa tonight and on Saturday. And then one more time on Sunday. So you're not doing the Toronto or the Kingston club. this. No, this I was supposed
1: through. to, and then uh, investors group um, called me and uh, presented me a giant bag with a dollar the sign. Dollar on sign. It. Yeah. And I went, Oh, sorry, Jason. I'm going to have to uh, <laughs> juggle some something. I think here. that's great. I'd, I'd love
0: to, to talk about that, that tour uh, coming forward. But anyways, I want to, yeah. I, I want to really encourage you guys um just before, I'm going to start by a little ass kissing for uh, for Mr. Zedlacker here. Um, I have not had an opportunity to actually see Pete live, so I'm looking forward to seeing you live this weekend. You never see me do? I've never live seen stand you live, up. never, never. But I, like I said, I've seen a lot of your stuff on on TV. Right. I've loved everything that I've seen you nice. in, um, and I have heard nothing. And this is this is not not impossible, but rare. I have heard nothing but club owners. Other comics, crowd members just talk about what a monster you are on stage. Mm, cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to it, yeah. To say the least, and that's why I'm. You know, now
1: I'm, I've got performance pressure now. I gotta <laughs> deliver when you.
0: Well, they just they, they might not go. I got 12 <laughs> listeners. Um, but I mean, I always like to start. I mean, it's great to talk about where you are now, but for for all my listeners who who may have have not heard of you or heard your stand up, right. I always like to ask just to sort of humanize you is where did you get started in stand up? How did it start for you?
1: August 26th, 1996, I walked on stage at Sink or Swim Mondays at Yuck Yucks in toronto and uh i think i did pretty mediocre okay but i met all the comics in the back of the room and they were like hey you should come by and do spirits you should come by and do this room and so that's when i kind of became a comedian it was when i went to spirits for the first time and right i was handed a beer ticket i was so i just talked into a microphone for five minutes and then i get a free beer <laughs> so immediately i was like this is I love this. Yeah.
0: Our brand new showbiz expectations. Right. I get a free drink. If I talk <laughs> shit, usually I pay for my beer. Then I talk shit when I drink it.
1: <laughs> so that was uh yeah. So that was uh, 21 years ago is my anniversary of uh, trying stand up for the first time. And, and since then I've literally toured the, toured the world.
0: Yeah. Did you remember how it went the first time?
1: It was okay. I remember uh, I went long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, you got a five minute spot and uh, I think at the five minute and 30 second mark, uh, Ron Vaudry literally walked up on stage oh, wow. and I was like, Oh, am I done? Oh, sorry. <laughs> so that's how I ended my, <laughs> no, set with, no light, no warning.
0: Just well, I'm sure fun. I saw
1: the light, but I just didn't, uh, I just kept going. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cause that happens. I run an open mic show and just yeah. the first timers. I don't think I'd be very surprised if anyone, unless they go, you know, greatly underneath the time. Right. They almost always go long because they go up there with six and they're getting laughs that they didn't time for. Right. And they, and it's a great feeling, right? It's that, right. That first drug, right. Of, and also you extent. don't
1: think it's that important if you go over by a minute. Right. No, it really is. It's. Oh, if, absolutely. If 10 comics go over by a minute. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then where does that kind come? of comes off the end of the show? Mm-hmm. Right. So that comes away from the guy who should be talking more than anyone else. That's right. Um, well, that's great. I, I read that, uh, you had a, a sort of a, a career in, in show business prior to stand up, like you yeah. are stage performing.
1: Yeah. So I went to, uh, originally from Wawa, Ontario, uh, moved to uh, New York city and studied, uh, theater, um, at the American musical and dramatic Academy. So I was in New York for four years, moved to Toronto, took some classes. And then one of the guys in my classes was, uh, was trying stand up at yuck yucks. So I went down to yucks and watched it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to. I have to try this this looks fun so that's when i signed up for uh, amateur night and then uh, that immediately took over right from uh you know from being an actor where you you know you rehearse a play and you memorize the lines and you you know and rehearse and stay and stage it and then you finally put it up on its feet and then an audience sees it. like it's a long process right. right or if you do like a, a film or a short film like you could shoot it and then it's like two years later you might get some feedback immediately with stand-up it was I'm writing this, I'm saying it out loud, I'm presenting it and the audience is immediately telling me if it's good or not. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Like this is the most immediate art form I've ever been a part of. So that was immediately what, uh, what drew me to it. And then. Uh and then just this obsession with standup kicked in.
0: Right, we we try to warn people again. Running an open mic show, I try to warn people who say like, "Oh, I'm just trying it to get it off my bucket list" or whatever. And I yeah. say you have to be careful because it's not as simple as just one time. Once you do it once, it gets its claws into you. Yeah, and you're you're sort of it becomes an addiction.
1: Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of those people though that just want to try it for the you know get up there and, and do it, and that that's fine.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, that's,
1: absolutely. But uh, I always try to discourage people from like you know I'm just kind of goofing off. I'm like just this isn't for you then like the stage time is precious. Like these are, these are a ton of comics out here that want to. I agree. Yeah.
0: I agree. I've, I've heard, I've seen that in my uh, coming up in comedy. Sometimes you'll see people who for years and years and years have never got off of, you know, the Wednesday nights or the, the amateur nights.
1: There's guys that I started with 21 years ago that are still kind of floating around the the amateur circuit. Yeah. What
0: the fuck and they're doing, still man? doing the same stuff and whatnot, right? <laughs> and they come off stage. This is the thing that sort of irked me as I have, I would never in a million years tell someone to stop. I would, I right. wouldn't want, if I have a lull or a, or a dead period, whatever dry period, I wouldn't want someone to come up to me and go, Hey, just stop. Right. So I'm always open to some other, but I, but one of the things is they'll come off stage and go, ah, I'm just fucking around. Like, like they don't care. I know that's a little defensive yeah. to dismiss it. So they don't kind of have to exactly. feel it. But the truth of the matter is, even if you were doing something as a hobby, you'd still want to get better at sure. it. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. what's to stop you from trying to actually make something out of it? So, like you yeah. said, the people who are like, ah, "I'm just fucking around," it's like, well, then, then get out of the yeah, way yeah, people. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, get who out of the way of this. Right at the same, then go do it. You know, on a street corner with a boom box. Right. Right. You can perform there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if, let if the real. If you're just looking
1: for some attention, then there's other ways to get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Go become a stripper. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of those girls that I've seen do stand up, you know, they, they're on the circuit for a couple of months kind of thing. And just, really just on stage. And you're like, just go be a stripper. Like this. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No, I, love I have seen a few of those girls that are doing stand up just for, just for the and guys too, obviously that oh, absolutely. Are just, just there to get attention kind of thing like, that's why absolutely
0: we have the mirrors in the back wall for those people who just want to look. that at rattled me last night when Did? i was on
1: stage i was like oh, holy fuck i'm staring at myself <laughs> and immediately i'm like i'm a fat fuck jesus christ i gotta <laughs> loosen i
0: tell people i'm like that with my house i don't put mirrors or scales in the house i right. like ouija boards I, I mean
1: bad omens
0: for me <laughs> i feel nothing but pain <clears throat> um but yeah so speaking of that i wanted to ask you how long you know was it that once you started, that you started doing weekends and and
1: paid shows, like how long of really a transition? Really fast, yeah. really quick, yeah. Uh, but like I said, like I was obsessed with stand up. Like I would do, I would do a, a club set like on a Wednesday, and then go and hit an open mic, and then do a different five, and then go do a different open mic, and then work on that five again. So like I would do three sets in a night. So it was pretty averaging out like around ten or twelve sets a week. Like I was obsessed with stand up, like just hitting every room, and a lot of guys would you know you. would do the club and you do well right and you just kind of bask in that glory and i was like no i want to get out there and keep working on it so um yeah it was within a year i was working professionally as a comedian that's awesome and then uh yeah a year and a half later i got my first headlining spot so which is unheard of like a year and a half in you've got an hours an hour's worth of comedy yeah so and then i did my first comedy now episode and uh and you kind of think like, oh, that's, well, that's it. I burned that 45 minutes that I put up on TV. But right. by the time it aired, I had already written another hour. So Really? Yeah. I, like Again, I was just obsessed with stand-up. Like, a, you know. yeah.
0: And you did the hour. Back when you did it, was there the option? Because I know yeah. it was just the last few years. Was there the option of the half hour or it the was, full hour? It was, yeah.
1: And it was just, of course, an ego stroke for me. I'm like, no, I'll do the full hour for sure. You know? <laughs> Get so paid you were, nothing, no different at all.
0: You were like a, what, a year or two in at that point?
1: I taped it in. It was a four years in. By that okay. Time. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: That's still amazing because that yeah. that was my first uh, yeah. my first sample of. Sorry, three stand-up.
1: years in. I was three years into stand up when really? I how comedy, comedy now. Yeah. Ninety nine. That's 99, amazing. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. amazing. I I've seen that. So I was talking to you this before we started recording. Two thousand one. Uh, Sorry, it was two thousand one. So I was four,
1: <laughs> four. I was four years in. And by because it aired, um, uh, September whatever the, the first airing of it was just after September eleventh. So it was like okay. September twenty something. 2001 that's a lot of pressure it was uh but it got huge ratings because uh people were looking for something different right than planes flying into buildings right right so.
0: right i just read this is just a, a funny little thing i just finished like on monday night reading george carlin's last words okay have you read that no he was talking about how uh he wrote this great piece he was sort of you know discovering his his voice uh, like the whole you know talking about you know taboo subjects and things like that going from goofy to that and he was saying how he just wrote this big piece about how you know he kind of likes it when a lot of people die just talking about population control and how we're we're what's wrong with the work because he just wrote a, an environmental piece before but the whole point was he he honed this great hour as he was known to do mm-hmm. and uh he was anchoring it all to this like 20 minute piece that he had on. I kind of like it when a lot of people die. (laughs) That's what he was going to name the special. It was to be filmed in November of 2001. Yeah. So of course,
1: Yeah. so he's,
0: yeah, he's looking at this thing called, I kind of like it when a lot of people die, that's coming out two months after September. Right. So he had that changed, like it changed everything that he was doing with the last half of his special and renamed. I just thought it was interesting. Like you said of a, did he, he, he actually do that chunk out? of standup? He did it, uh, I think three or four years so four, actually maybe four or five years. Like, yeah. Wow. And then it was, it was something that went with the first half of the special that he was doing. So it all kind of all right. pulled together. So he still did the piece on environmental so remarkable,
1: man. Like that's just to be able to be that, you know, articulate with your standup, like just, Oh, I've got a 20 minute chunk that I'm going to shelve. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, I write an hour. It's going to be, that's the hour I'm working on. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I mean, but even for yourself, like you said, I mean, you've got the special coming out and this big event happens. It's great that we're all looking for something to laugh at, but at the same time, like that was around the time when everyone's being really,
1: yeah, you know, like, well, I taped it before September 11th. So I taped it in June and then September 11th happened. And then they aired so that it, it was after. Just coming so so there's a couple of references about me getting on a plane and stuff. And I was like, Ugh. remember right. how like everyone was like tiptoeing through it right like they're was, scrutinizing everything yeah, that's every, coming out don't want so. to offend anybody with you know airplane references or new york city like anything <laughs> yeah would just be triggered. everything's words, a, right?
0: exactly so that's what was, what's that's probably a good thing that it was filmed before that Beforehead, then just yeah. afterwards because yeah. even if it had nothing to do with it it's just yeah. one of those like everyone was getting it for a period of time right so just just reminded me when you're saying it just happened right after september 11th i'm like you know what that was a little carlin quip there that i read yeah about that interesting but uh but you did the hour that was, that was the first thing it's that, that funny i saw when i
1: watched it too because they um they add laugh track to some of those mm-hmm. specials right so they added laugh track to the first chunk of my my hour so it goes you know like the opening credits and then the first whatever i guess it's 12 minutes before the commercial break um so they added in laugh track i'm like it's so fucking weird why are they and adding it in the wrong places right. so they're adding laugh track into setups of jokes you know like yeah. Hey guys, maybe do you have a, favor, a favorite favorite uh, athlete? Ha 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 ha! You know, yeah, you're it's like, like why, why? Why are you doing that? So then they come back from commercial, and now no laugh, no, no laugh track at all. So it it made no sense. So wow, yeah.
0: I remember, I remember, I watched. Like I said, that was my first taste of of your stuff, and I really enjoyed it. I thought nice. it was
1: really, really good. And
0: and I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There's there's a handful. You know, I could count on one hand how many uh, Comedy Nows that I actually enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and that's nothing against the other comics. So if anyone's listening, and you're like, yeah, I don't really like Comedy Now. One of the reasons is they kind of fuck with people's stuff. You know what I mean? It's not on anymore. It's been canceled. So I don't have to worry about not getting a spot for criticizing my podcast. But the truth of the matter is, you know, you'd have guys who would do like half an hour or 40 minutes. They edit it down to 22. Mm -hmm. I I noticed jokes from, from guys whose sets I know that they cut out tags or they cut out, you know, parts of punchlines and things like that that are important (laughs) to the joke. Um, So to me, it was remarkable when, when I'd see someone's comment, I go, holy shit, that was, that was really good. Mm. And, and for what it's worth, yours was one of the ones that I I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah. Were you happy with it when you I, saw I, it? Again? I was, yeah. It really opened up, you know, people are very cr- critical of that TV show, but uh, it opened up, it it set me up as, you know, one of the upper echelon of Canadian comics. Um, and it also uh, had gave me a chunk of uh, television tape that I could give to bookers that they would look at it and go like, oh, my God, yeah, let's book this guy. Right. Um, so, yeah, no complaints. But I got, <laughs> you, got you got paid $3,500 flat like a buyout to do that right that's crazy to say say out loud $3,500 to write and star in an hour of television right. right um and I had a commercial that was running at the same time and when it aired my commercial ran during the first <laughs> commercial break of my comedy now for delicio pizza and I was like hey great pizza man where's it from that's that was my line in the commercial I made more from that commercial than I did from the actual tv taping yeah isn't that crazy
0: and you get, there's no royalties or anything like that. No,
1: nothing. In perpetuity, just. Well, that's not true. They, I think after four years, they sent me a check for 25 bucks as a buyout for another cycle of. $25. Like, something like that. Yeah. It was like. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It was really- they get to play another
0: 300 times. I think. Yeah. I mean, and they wouldn't.
1: But- I lost count at 17 times they've aired it. Wow. On on national television. And then now they've sold it to MTV and. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I didn't now, know that they did yeah. that. Yeah.
0: That's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean whatever I, 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 it's like exposure it's like right back at the beginning yeah, hey we'll right. just we'll oh, film it yeah. we'll it's great exposure
1: it, it was good exposure because i don't don't do that material anymore right? right so if i was i remember john door did his taping and then uh it aired very close to his taping so he was still doing some of that material hmm. and somebody in the audience called him out because they had seen it right Jesus. he was like that's when he was like i gotta i gotta stop doing this material because it's been that was a good lesson for me too like yeah you can't once it airs on tv it's kind of shelve that you know like, right
0: so. what do you so let me ask you them because you've had the experience i haven't really talked with with someone who's just done the, the, the tapings right yeah. once you once you put it out there do you already have new stuff that's ready to go or are you sort of like when you're creating let's say you're creating the next hour are you doing like 20 and 20 you know or 20 and 20 on an hour I'm thinking the 40-minute spots here in right. the club. Do you, are you doing like you know 20 minutes of new stuff, 40 minutes of old? Is it a mix, or do you have like a ton of premises that you've already been sort of playing with in preparation for the the taping? That you're kind of like, once mm. the taping goes, I'm going to move on to the because that's always been the curiosity. Yeah, I totally get the shelving it, but you still you're still a pro. You still have headline dates on the calendar. So yeah, what are you going out with? You know, once that gets put out there,
1: well, it's it's interesting now because the hour long TV specials don't exist in Canada anymore. So right. now TV tapings are seven minute sets, like right. just for laughs or Winnipeg festival or Halifax. Um, so if I'm gearing up for a TV taping, I'm working on that seven minutes like that. This is where it's going to start and this is where it's going to end. Right. Um, so by the time it airs, that chunk is already seven minutes. Is easy to write in another seven. something. right. So, um, and that's not anchoring
0: your headline set at the, you know, chuckle bone no. or whatever it is. No, I right? try to end
1: like, up doing it like right off the top. Like I, I, you know, the MC introduces me and then I do my seven minutes that I'm going to do for my TV taping. Right. Cause yeah, I want to go up there cold and see if that's actually going to work. So right, mm-hmm. smart. Actually,
0: that's a great, that's a yeah. great
1: strategy. Get it out of the way right away. And then you, you've got a time too. So you can look at your watch when you hit down and you're like, oh yeah, seven minutes, bang. I'm ready for it. Ready for that TV taping. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh,
0: yeah, like it's just one of those things that's been interesting to me. Like I said, I mean, I guess too that there's a period of time from when you do the taping to when it airs that you almost have a buffer period. Start working on some new stuff, yeah, and whatnot. But like you said, in Canada it's different. I'm just thinking like the the I guess right now the the big things there the the Louis C.K.'s and Bill Burr's that are putting out a new special every year. And I always think there's dates on the calendar, but right. what happens once that hour's out? Are you just you know top Shove to bottom brand get, yeah. new stuff and and had like you know? But they they're also huge names. They can get on three times a night in new york or That's Los right, Angeles, yeah. and build 40 minutes out of nothing
1: yeah it's got to be tremendous pressure like i, I mean being a, a canadian comic has you know uh some perks and one of them is that you know, yeah we can get away with doing some older material for audiences right so right. like guys like louis ck if they went out there and did something from their previous special audiences would be like well we've seen this like right. we 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 all have seen this because you're super famous and yeah you know so yeah. It's gotta be tremendous pressure for those guys because once they've taped that, they just got to wash your hands and you're done with that kind yeah, of thing, you know,
0: you've contributed it It's like writing the same I know another book as an author and the first chapter is the same as the last book. Maybe, you know, yeah. Like it's it? a
1: good analogy, but <laughs> yeah, like, like, uh and it's gotta be frustrating too. Cause you, you finish up that TV taping and then like, you know, a month later you're like, Oh, that, what if I tagged it with this? Yeah. It's done, man. Like you're done. Yeah. Like you, you've, you've, close that chapter it's done it's published it's done <laughs>
0: it's a thing too but that's one of the great things i mean it's a blessing the curse of being an artist is that it's, it's never finished it's never right. good enough which is great because i i've said before with other people i've interviewed is as soon as you feel safe you're done you're yeah like, for sure. you're like, oh, i'm good here well then you're, you're toast yeah, you always sure. have to yeah. be striving for, yeah. for
1: better um i one, feel like now i'm like the stuff that i'm writing now i feel like i'm the best comic i've been in my life like i feel like i'm taking risks and then talking about things that make me uncomfortable and make the audience uncomfortable and there's a pressure and a release and there's things that uh, I'm doing in standup now that are like I walk off stage going like, holy shit. Good for you, man. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it's got, you've got to keep challenging yourself. Like if I was up there still doing my, you know, you know, stuff for my comedy now episode, it would be just, just put a fork in me, man, you're done. Like you gotta, you gotta keep challenging yourself. Right? right.
0: Right. Cause after a while, I mean, we've, we've all seen those guys who are, you know, doing the same material from their comedy now. Isn't that crazy? Years ago. Yeah. There
1: was I- a comic that was at one of the open mics in Calgary. And I, I brought my girlfriend Melody down and, um, and I was like, Oh my God, this guy, I haven't seen this guy in like 10 years. It's going to be great to see him kind of thing. And then he walked on stage and he started doing his act. And I kind of looked at her and I started like, lip-syncing to his oh yeah yeah, yeah. she was like he's done this before i'm like this is the only thing he does and i was excited to see him because i'm like he's gonna have some new material but no no he's been doing the same act for 30 something years oh just
0: it it hurts it hurts your heart because you're like you're like you're you're, you haven't evolved that and you're not doing anything else either right right? you know what i mean like if you're sticking to stick with this your own sanity write some jokes man well, I, I got into a thing I, I don't think I've ever talked about in the podcast, but I got into a slump. I mean, I'm only eight or nine years in, but I got into a slump at one point where it was just like, it was the same material. I wasn't writing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but I completely changed. I stopped doing a lot of material. I became sort of a crowd work comic, mm-hmm. which I'd like to get out of. I do like doing it. And I just certainly know the, the value of doing material because, you know, showcases and things like that are not looking for crowd work. They're looking for, for yeah. pieces they can get. But it was out of that need to to do something new. Different, so yeah. I didn't write anything. So I'd have to go up there and, and talk about something. You know what I mean? Just even if it was just telling a story, what happened? Get talking with them and that would make me think of something and I'd yeah. tell a story. So just anything to just challenge myself. Okay, well, if I you didn't think. write anything, then you're going to go up and you're going to talk about yep. something that's mm-hmm. off the top of your head, you know? So sort of at first, it was sort of like uh, to scare myself into writing because you don't want to put yourself in that situation of going up in there and having nothing to talk about. Yeah. But then I ended up being good at it. (laughs) So I was like, oh, well, I can just talk. But I I don't like it because I have notebooks filled with things that I'd like to go out and and try. Right, okay. And I have to, now I'm in the, the, I'm trying to retool myself to have that discipline to sit down and and
1: write again. It's remarkable how much you can actually write if you physically sit down and like just type on a typewriter, a typewriter, a computer. Right. (laughs) If you're typing on a (laughs) typewriter, Wow. Um, Maybe
0: they're just really old school. <laughs> yeah, really old school. Writer. It's, yeah. It's like the new hippie thing to do.
1: So I was writing for um the Ron James show. Uh I think it was season four. We had an order of uh, of thirteen episodes, and Ron would do I think six minutes of stand up per episode, plus the New Year's Eve special. And I can't remember what the math works out to be, but it's like literally like an hour worth of stand-up. Um it was like sitting in a room for three months, just p- pounding it out and wrote an hour of stand-up. Like you, it physically can be done. Like if you oh, just yeah. sit down and do it, but I tend to be a writer where I'm 10 minutes before going on stage, going through my phone, going like, shit, what are these, some of these premises that I haven't worked on yet? And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, demons. I haven't done that one yet. So, <laughs> and I'll just kind of riff it out on stage kind of thing, but. I, you know, still 21 years in, I wish I had more discipline to go, okay, today between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. I'm going to sit down with my laptop and just pound it out.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you have a process? No. No process. I do not. No. Not a thing. Not so a you think of an idea, you put the the, the footnote yeah. on your phone and yep. you're like, then we're going to, you th- basically, you think it out and then you're like, I'm going to try it on stage. Or?
1: Sometimes I, I put the, yeah, a like footnote might be a good way to describe it. Like just, uh, you know, demons, like I put demons, uh, something and then just before I go on stage, I'm kind of like, how is that premise going to go? And then I kind of put like keywords down what I okay. think and where I think it's going to end. And then when I get on stage, it's just kind of improv around it. Okay, right. Cool. So then some, most times like you get to the punchline and it's not the punchline at all. So you just keep digging further and then that's, Oh, wait a second. This is a new angle on this. And it kind of, that's what's great about those open mics around the Canadian comedy scene. Like you can go out there and watch some comics just mining for comedy gold right and then all of a sudden you see something brilliant happen on stage You're right. like, wow and i'll say it on stage and be like oh can somebody remember that for me <laughs> yeah. you know? so then That's... i'll walk off stage and somebody goes hey uh it was the the demons joke it was about uh ikea only like, oh yeah, yeah yeah and i'll put that down and then uh yeah and then next thing you know the, the next time i try that i'm like okay now i've got a sort of a polished joke and then by the third or fourth time i've got it i can bring it to a club and see if it's that's work.
0: that's great my struggle is a remembering to write it down because i always think of things when i'm driving so oh, i'm yeah. like hey siri hey Siri," and then she screws up everything and then oh, five, yeah. five seconds later she has not uh, she, your phone just yeah my phone just came that. on when i get it but she said it's not available <laughs> I've, i have learned over the course of podcasting to put all of my stuff on airplane
1: oh mode. i should do that right now
0: oh it's okay if yours goes off it's fine no nope. and people actually say i like when i hear something go off on your ipad or oh, your yeah. this. And that one just reminds them that i'm human
1: that <laughs> i'm right, so right.
0: incompetent and what i'm doing i'm faking this so good um but yeah i'll forget to to write it down and then occasionally if i do see the notes i'll look at it and like you said it'll be like demons and i'll go what
1: the fuck was I yeah talking i had about? one of those years ago it was my favorite uh, example of this i wrote down new year's eve what the hell joke is that <laughs> a just, shopping list yeah, or a- <laughs> just, what's the joke that i had about new year's eve to this day i still don't know what the premise like the what the, what the joke was going to be about new year's eve So yeah, you gotta be a little more specific. And a lot of times too, these ideas come to me like just on that verge of like, you're about to fall asleep, right? And Mm -hmm. your mind starts wandering (laughs) and you're like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. I'll remember this in the morning. Yeah. Oh no, you have the to worst. get up in the, you have to, have to get up and just type it, type it out. Yeah. Cause I've, it'll be gone. I've started getting better
0: at it, but I'm still losing like a hundred ideas a day because I'm like, I'll remember <laughs> two minutes, two minutes. I'll remember that in two minutes. And then it goes that quickly. Yeah, that's just right. even to just, by the time I come down, I see something I'm supposed to bring down to the kitchen or something. Like grab the plates. Like, Oh, I forgot to put that away. and yeah, It's gone. That that's it. that gone. Just, it's
1: so fragile. And then I'll just tissue. Just, paper. Yeah, exactly. Tissue paper. Yeah
0: Okay. Well, right that's it's it's well, it's, it's great to know that uh, I have something in common with one of the greats. Oh, <laughs> that man. same process, but but how how fast do you go from the idea to like let's get it out on stage? Do I you... give
1: it three tries. Three tries. okay. Three tries. Yeah. So and um, will you
0: same day kind of thing? Like if you if you get a moment of the idea today uh-huh. and you're on stage tonight, mm-hmm. yeah. is it coming out tonight?
1: Yeah. Okay. That yeah. okay. If I mean, depending, obviously, like if I've got a a corporate event or something, you know, obviously I'm not working on new material, right? You're and I do to it to your just for laughs gala no. <laughs> that night. No, no. <laughs> Although I have done that. I have had something new to, uh, um, what was it? Halifax festival. I literally had an idea the day of, and I'm like, Oh fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. So, and it, it worked. Nice. Oh, Thank for, God. What was the, what was, it doesn't matter, but it was, yeah, that was, that was a big ballsy move on my part. I'm like, <laughs> am I really going to try something new on a TV taping? Yeah. And uh, it worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, it did work. Excellent. Yeah. that's awesome but after 21 years of comedy like you kind of have an instinct of like right oh this isn't gonna fail like this is gonna be um but i do have a good work work ethic in that uh, i don't try to do brand new material at a club when people are paying you know 15 bucks or 25 bucks to see me okay i want to do want to work out all the kinks at like an open mic kind of thing okay so, so a lot it's funny you know like just Hitting all the, uh, the Calgary comedy scene, uh, rooms that are out there. And, uh, some, you know, your comics are like, that's so great that you're still out there, you know, you know, coming to these shitty open mics and, and working on your, I'm like, yeah, you have to, like, I have to, like, it's, it's the job. It's literally what I have to do. And sometimes you're performing to eight comics and two audience members. Like that's, that's the, that's the room, but just, it's a chance to say it out loud and see where, where it's going to go kind of thing.
0: Well, Trent uh, McClellan is from Calgary yeah. and Trent, uh, I was listening to his podcast and he had somebody on, I, I wish I could remember which comic I don't want to give the wrong guy credit or, or not the right guy, but uh, he had said that a great exercise, cause I would love to be able to sit down and write and I have, I yeah. it just doesn't happen, but I need to get the ideas out somewhere where I can actually see them and remember them. But one of the exercises that, that he was suggesting was that you just for 30 minutes, you write and don't judge it. Right. And then the next day you just write and don't judge it. You know, until you get to the point where you're writing something that you might actually enjoy because you've developed that muscle of just putting the words down on paper. That's great. Yeah, and I I mean, I heard it a month ago, and I still haven't done it. Right. But just in terms of, I know that when I'm going to sit, when I have a a little block of time, I think I'm bullshitting myself a little, right? Because we all have that. Oh, when I have the time, right? But it's make make the time exactly. But the idea is I think that that's a great exercise to you know, if I don't have because I'm at a point where I can't necessarily get on stage every single night or an open mm-hmm. mic. I have more opportunities than maybe some of the the, the newer guys listening. But uh, I, I like that idea of just getting it out. Just write it out. Who cares if it's good, bad, whatever you right. wrote for 30 minutes. And then you you build that muscle just that way. You're not scared to sit down and write because you've done it so many times before that when you do have something, it's just going to come out because that muscle, you're not like shit. How That's do great. I, the medium of the writing isn't fucking yeah. you over. You're yeah. used to
1: that. So that was just something that uh, I like that. Thanks Trent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try that. Uh, I,
0: I, I but sometimes I, just
1: the physical act of typing right. makes you, makes your brain go, Oh, what about that connection? Mm-hmm. What about, I just, I love those. What abouts? What if, that's one of the great things about working in a, in a writer's room when I was working for Ron James, there was working with brilliant guys, like literally brilliant and just sit there and like, what if, and then we'd all smile and be like, yeah. And then you get onto something. Uh, there's nothing, there's, there's something magical about yeah the creative process. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And seeing like other people too. And and sometimes it's almost like a relay race. Like you come up with something, pass it on someone else, grabs it, runs with it a bit. And
1: one of my favorite moments in that writer's room, we were writing about the, uh, the blackout that happened, right? Okay. And uh, and it was in Toronto, and everyone was uh, like, <laughs> the one night that the blackout happened, right? So everyone was happy, and you know, like neighbors are coming over and we're having barbecues, and you know. But if it lasted more than a night, it would be anarchy, right? <laughs> so I had written a joke. I said, "Yeah, it was it was great for a night, but if it went on for a week, we'd be uh, cooking our groceries over a dumpster fire." As that was the joke, and then I just pitched it to my buddy Scott, and he misheard me saying uh yeah if it lasted more than three days we'd be roasting the elderly over a a a dumpster fire and he said the elderly and i'm like i said groceries yeah he's like oh elderly's way better (laughs) so (laughs) so that's how the joke got written it was just a misheard
0: communication mad Max. they eat the old first which is ridiculous they have the least amount of meat (laughs) um (laughs) um, so i wanted to ask just um, i mean in terms of of coming up from from starting out to where you are now do you have any like are there any really good memories that you? I mean, obviously, like all of your all of your TV and and movie stuff, which I have here. We will get to that. But I'm thinking just in terms of the stand up portion. Are, do you have any good memories or milestones that that came out? Like obviously things like the comedy now and and Just for Laughs. Any any moments where you where you thought like, holy shit, like I'm really. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's a great question i wouldn't Josh, know that's great
0: i tell every guest even on the air i i don't know that i would have an answer if i was asked yeah but i'm just thinking was there anything that when you yeah. look back and you're like Fuck that at that moment that's when i heard you know or felt or yeah
1: no i one that popped right into my head immediately was um we used to do uh well spirits bar and grill is still a, an open mic and not even an open mic it's a booked comedy show now um in toronto and i started out there with uh joanna downey and that's so August 26, 1996, I met, you know, Rodney Pentland and Rodney Pentland told me to come by spirits. And I met Joanna Downey and changed my life. Um, but I, at that, at that point in comedy in 1996, there was, you know, a handful of comics in Toronto, right now there's a hundred million comics in this country. Um, but sometimes you'd swing by spirits on a Wednesday and there would be seven comics going on then joanna would say can you do a set tonight i'd be like yeah oh thank god we got a cancellation like oh okay. it's ridiculous now because it's a three-month it's, process to get booked on that show. right i've still never done it I've is that right it. yeah
0: <laughs> i was gonna say at the end of your story do you mind just maybe let the listeners know what a staple spirits is
1: for comedy? oh well spirits is uh it's the reason i'm a stand-up comedian it's uh every wednesday at uh at spirits in toronto um it just it turned into this amazing room because of uh Joanna Downey. Joanna Downey um uh was the uh, the booker and the host of the show and um people would come week after week after week after week because of her because you know and exactly like you said like she would just go up there and talk like she wouldn't have an act like she would just tell people about her week and then ask people about their week and then just create magic on stage. Yeah. It was and it was such a, a beautiful fostering of comedy room. Like it was just, yeah, you know, we'd all watch each other's sets and we'd walk off stage and go like, what if you open with that joke? And then what if you tag it to this? And what about this angle? And like, oh yeah, we'd all help each other. And that's how I started in stand up. So I, I, uh, when you ask like, what are those moments uh, I had, I developed this comedy character named Petey dirtbag and <laughs> <laughs> Pete Dirtbag was a hack comic, so he would go on at the end of the show, and I always had to be at Spirits because there'd be like fifteen comics on. So I would just sit in the back of the room and, and write down one joke from everybody, and then the, the oh, premise was, okay, okay. Uh, uh, "Oh, with this guy, has been bugging me all night to go on. Uh, he wants to do a set. Please, uh, please welcome Pete Dirtbag." And then I'd come up on stage, and then uh, I had my heavy metal vest and, uh, and long hair wig and hat. And my character would say like, yeah, I've been watching you guys try stand up. I got some notes for you. You And then I would just do their joke, but then make it like a filthy punchline. And that was one of those moments where I was like, oh man, this is, it was creating something really amazing.
0: And it was specific to that room, right? That was, that that was a character that didn't exist anywhere other than. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That was a, yeah,
1: that was a, a key moment in my, in my comedy career for sure. Yeah that's very cool yeah
0: now of course every light uh, casts a shadow so i would ask too just was there any any lows in your comedy career did you ever hit any points oh, that made you question everything
1: um uh, every other moment in between I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah i understand <laughs> no there's uh oh there's great highs and great lows in stand-up comedy there's uh and there, there's funny ones too like i at spirits there was um there was a uh, oh how do you even word this now nowadays there was a man who was transitioning to become a woman okay uh, in the audience and
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> this comes up like every episode something really?
1: with really oh dude I, I yeah I got in <laughs> shit all my listeners know
0: I got in shit because I was actually trying to educate hey guys this is the open accepting way of know. right and I got in shit because I, I said it wrong to Yet one person
1: tranny name. is not the right word right that's, no that's the offensive that's that's the old fashioned yeah so there was a there was a a person transitioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you might uh, still be wrong, just so you know. Yeah, I could be. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, back in the day, I would have said there's a tranny. Mm-hmm. No, not I'm not saying that now because now that's not. Uh, now I understand that's not the correct. But back then, back, then. The <laughs> was, back then there was a tranny in the room. Back then there was <laughs> a tranny okay. in the room, and it was just... uh, and it was wing night. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, every Wednesday was wing night, so you get like <laughs> strata. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> she had a a plate of chicken bones, chicken okay. big ba- chicken bones on her. So if she didn't like she would throw chicken bones at you. <laughs> so I remember being on stage trying to joke and she took offense to it. And all of a sudden I was being peppered with chicken bones from a, like, from a transsexual. Yeah, I was eaten. like, wow, that's a, you can't get much lower than this. Like this is, but I love telling that story because it's just a delicious story.
0: It's a funny visual too, right? Because you would, yeah, it's just one of those things you're like, okay, okay.
1: Yeah. And another time I did uh stand up in Fairview, Alberta, and it was just a, uh, it was a room that they had booked on a, I think it was a Wednesday as well, but uh, Alberta Liquor Laws, if they had a, a cabaret liquor license, they could stay open an extra hour all week. So they they went, hey, what's the cheapest entertainment that we can get? And they went, oh, stand-up comedy. So, so they literally said, you know, from Wednesday from 9 p.m. until 10 p.m., you had to be on stage performing stand-up comedy because that, that would qualify as their hour-long cabaret liquor license. So for years they would just send up comics to do this terrible gig and comics didn't like doing the gig and audiences didn't like comics being there, but maybe a handful of people would come out. <laughs> so I did it one time. I was up on stage going like, why are we here? What's the point of this? And these guys came in they sat in the front row. I was like, Hey guys, what's going on? And then everybody's like, don't, don't talk to them. Like, and then he pulls out a backpack and then he's pulling out zip like uh, baggies full of drugs, full of drugs. And next thing, you know, people are coming up and then money's being exchanged in the front row. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then people are like, just don't, don't say anything. And so, you know, I did my standup as these guys were doing a drug deal, like seven feet away from my, my feet.
0: It's like those women who come in with the roses for sale at a bar, only it's drugs, drugs, like oh, hardcore yeah.
1: drugs, like uh, pills and powders. And, uh, and then after about 10 minutes, they, they packed it up and then they left and I finished up my set by chastising the audience. I'm like, this is the terrible
0: thing. Why, yeah. why would you live here? <laughs> how I are you guys okay up? with how this? Is,
1: and I walked up to the the bartender, the manager, and I said, what the fuck is going on with this guy? And they said, oh, you know, he comes in every week. You know, we can call the RCMP, but it takes about 45 minutes for them to show up. So we just ignore it. And uh, he comes the, in every week. Every week. Every week. You'd think a, that
0: they would just call the RCMP hey, there's be and a say, guy. hey, there's going to be a yeah, guy.
1: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah that's so that's that exists there's i've i've paid my dues oh god yeah, yeah. so when i'm getting to do just for last with patrick stewart i'm like oh yeah remember you've earned this you've earned this spot <laughs> have you ever had
0: anybody just super pa- i mean like and i don't mean upset have you ever had anybody like rush the stage or anything like that in
1: a show a lady come up to me after a show and i did a joke about um the previous pope um Ratzinger it was his okay. real name right and uh, I forgot, I was going off on Radzinger anyway. And this lady came up to me after the show and said, uh, how dare you, sir? But she was so beyond over the top about it that I literally thought she was kidding. So, <laughs> so I'm playing it up. I'm like, I'm <laughs> a naughty boy. Yeah. And, said, and then after about 20 seconds of her berating me, and I was like, what the fuck? are she serious? So I just I went back on her. I'm like, what are you talking about? Said, my son, My son is going to visit the Pope. So it was just an, another example of a religious lady trying to say that right. you know my son is getting to visit the Pope. And I told her, I'm like, if if that offends you, if me even referencing the Pope's real last name offends you, stand-up comedy's not for you. Like it's right. you should just stay home. You should just next time entertainment comes to your town just stay home and read the bible kind of thing yeah yeah
0: well that's that's one of the things that we've talked about from time to time too is just that that a lot of people when they hear a story about someone getting upset in a comedy club and they go oh you know it's it's comedy right who's gonna get upset in a comedy club and i i tell them you'd be amazed how many people every other night
1: somebody's yeah
0: yeah and they love to come up and tell you that like rather than just being like i didn't like that right that's not for me they, they feel the need to tell you how much they didn't, you know, you right. shouldn't do this and you shouldn't talk about this. Um, sorry. That's just one
1: of the things. That's that absolutely true. Movies. Sometimes it's just trigger words. Like people just go like, oh, they shut down, you know? Oh, he said,
0: yeah, they're not he even said, re- listening he said
1: whatever, you know, doesn't yeah. matter. You know, there's a trigger word and
0: that's it. Well, I had one night at a show where I was doing a joke and the middle of the joke, uh, someone yelled something out and I stopped and I said, I'm sorry. And he repeated himself and i think myself and the the rest of the audience collectively just went what? what? and then as i was the same as them i was like, what? and then they all booed that person. And i was oh, yeah. like oh, hold on hold on. i i really think that the person has misunderstood the joke. you i'm like i'm saying this to i go let's i go let's thank you for being on my side everyone, but right. let's give him a second. i don't think he even gets what right. i'm saying right now. I think that's funny too. And it's just like you said, it's just a trigger. They've, they've misunderstood. Right. And it's funny because sometimes you'd think, Oh, I, I misunderstood. I'm just going to sit there and what the fuck? But they're like, what? And then they're outraged, the outward outrage and they got to yell something out. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me.
1: Sometimes you, you, you just take for granted that an audience is smart. Right. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of times audiences will prove, no, they're not. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of dumb people in the audience that, uh,
0: Well, I almost bank on yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bank on that because you know people are like, oh man, I'm sick of stupid people. Like I just wish all the stupid people would die. And I go, I don't, Mm. because as soon as people can think these things for themselves, I'm out of a job. Right. I don't don't want everyone to be this funny and goofy and silly. I just you guys stay there, and I'll I'll think of this stuff. Um, I wanted to ask. Now this sounds kind of like a, a bit of a an odd question. Maybe we've already answered it. Was there anything that helped you along the way? as you grew through standup, because obviously trying new things, that's, that's very important yeah. to always challenge yourself. Did you have any like, uh, habits or mantras or anything like that? When you, when you'd hit these tough moments, was there anything that, that, that kept you going? And yeah. I have a question I want to ask you after this. Okay.
1: Well, that might relate. there's, there's two answers to this. Number one, we're doing it right now. Like I would ask established comics, like, Hey, what do I do here? And I'm going to go to Ottawa and I'm going to, is there, do you have any advice for me? And, um, I remember being kind of fearless in that way that, you know, there was a the comedy hierarchy. Like you didn't talk to like the pro comics kind of thing, right? Okay. That's kind of like been washed away. Now you can just go and talk to the established comics anytime you want what do you think of that if you don't mind my i I, I like i like it when comics come up like here's a i'll give it a caveat i was just gonna say you got a caveat coming (laughs) i'll be in like winnipeg right and then some like uh like an amateur comic who's done comedy like four times Mm. and thinks he's got it all figured out will come up to me and then give me notes after my Mm. after my headline He's like no that's that's way beyond over the line there right right uh but if you you want to come up and say like hey uh i've I'm doing this set tonight. Can you take a look and, and watch my set? And then absolutely, I'd be right. happy to. Um, so yeah, ask lots of questions. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I found myself a few times in my life where, where I just felt like a writer's block. I wasn't uh, producing anything. And the trick to the, getting over that is just to get out of your comfort zone. So um, go and do something you've never done before. Like go to a, like a farmer's market. You know, or go, you know, do some kind of uh, excursion that you've never done before because it just gets your mind thinking outside of yourself, right?
0: Yeah, just opening up new. Okay. Yeah. As soon as you said go to a farmer's market, I'm thinking, like, go perform at a farmer's no, market. No, not perform. No. <laughs> and just you're like, yeah, no, I, I picked up along the way, but I was sitting there going, okay, interesting. I yeah, can't yeah. wait for him to bring this around and make it all make sense. <laughs> How are those <laughs> but- <laughs> eggs over there? Hey, what's up with no, uh, the cantaloupes? A, just do it a venue you've never done before. Uh, no, but I get what you're saying. It's just experience
1: something. Yeah, yeah do you,
0: something that's new to you because yeah, then it. And gets- then you can
1: talk about it on stage. Like, I, I went to a farmer's market and this is what's going on there. And this is, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah.
0: That's a, that it, is a great, to, just
1: gets you outside of your comfort zone and your, your norm, right? Like if, you know, your norm is getting up and taking a shower and then go to the Starbucks and, you know, and then going to the grocery store, whatever. Like if you get outside of that and right. your, your brain is being
0: Yeah. You're making right? room for new ideas because if everything is the same routine, mm-hmm. then you don't get past it. I remember, uh, and right. I, I, appreciate this. I'm sorry not to, to throw a story back in mm-hmm. the time you say something, you but, but I had a friend ask me the last full-time day corporate job I had before starting stand-up comedy. Um I may or may not have shared the story so listeners I'm sorry if you've heard it before but um he, he asked me he goes, "Hey, you know when you're a kid and summer vacation seems like it's like the longest thing in the world right. and the older you get just it's it's over so yeah. fast?" Yeah. He, he goes, "Why is that?" And I go, "I don't know. I don't know, but I but it stuck with me. Like if you give me something to think about, like yeah. my my neuroses will just turn it over and over." And I think what I came up with, I told him the next day when I was at work is I think I came up with is that when you're younger there's Every day is so different. Do you know what I mean? Like okay. you're still learning so much. You, you find new rocks, new bugs, a new activity, right. a new game that you play. Something right. happens. You, you, you jump off a roof or climb a, a wall, something that you didn't do before. Right. And I feel like at the end of the day, there's so much different stuff to reflect on that each individual day stands out more. Oh. So it seems like a lot longer because there's so much more that that goes on and, and individualizes right. each day. Whereas, Whereas when, when you get older, old, yeah. nine to five, same punch same in, thing, punch right? out, same yeah. routine at work, right. Morning, night, whatever it is. You know, you remember vacations because that's different. Yeah. But in terms of just the, the day, like I was three years into that point, And that was actually one of the little catalysts in my brain that was like, okay, I got to do something different. Right. I've been here three years and I can't fucking individualize the days <laughs> at all. Right. So it's just, it's oh, interesting, like you really said, cool. is once you get into a routine, if you want to f- start thinking new, you right. got to go start doing new. Right. To make something different, yeah. to make things start yep. standing out differently that's again. It.
1: That's it. exactly. Well, that's really hard. that's really sharp for you. Uh, I could about. be
0: completely wrong. I just, oh, but that's yeah. the thing too. It's part of having a, you know, being neurotic is just somebody asks you something. <laughs> you don't have the answer. I'm like, I gotta fucking figure gotta it think out. Think of this. It guy, is, yeah, yeah. It's a good fucking question. That's and absolutely true. It. Why the hell is I gotta solve this problem? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I wanted it. to ask too. Now, this is something I, I don't, I don't know if it's too personal and I apologize because I don't know what it's about, but I remember uh, a few years back. Um, you had posted something on Facebook. Cause like I said, I still hadn't seen you perform, but I'd seen all your stuff. Yeah. Um, and I remember seeing a post that looked like you were sort of leaving comedy or at least something really it was, well, that's what it looked like. And again, I don't know how personal it is, but I remember seeing that you had to move out of Toronto for Oh
1: yeah, yeah. No, that was uh no, never, never giving up standup. It's funny. Cause, uh, the reason I had left Toronto is I was going through a divorce. Okay. But, uh, uh, related to this story, my divorce lawyer was, you know, going over all my financials and he's looking at it and he was like, so we're talking about money you make in stand-up comedy, right? So, and we were talking about like Jerry Seinfeld had just done a show in Toronto where it was a, a fundraiser for the for the hospital, and he made like a million dollars for his set. So we were, yeah, a million dollars for his set. <laughs> so that's
0: what we all make, of yeah, this. right.
1: So we were crunching the numbers, and it was a, like forty-five minute set, so it was X number of dollars per minute, and we we're laughing about it. So the divorce lawyer asked me, he said, like, so do you set goals for yourself? Like, if you don't earn X number of dollars next year, are you going to find something else to do kind of thing? And I was was so taken aback by that. I was like, no. Like, no, this is what I do, man. This is – if I made zero, I would still be doing it. Like, I would still – but civilians don't have that mindset, right? Right. Like, you know, they think, well, you're doing things to make money so that you can do things. Whereas – we do stand up because we love doing stand up. Right? right. So he, yeah. He, I always use that as an example of like, yeah, th- how civilians don't understand what it's like to be like, I, if literally, like, they told me tomorrow, like, you cannot make a living doing this anymore. You know, you're going to have to, I would get a job job to make money, but then I would still do stand up. I would to, still do stand up. fulfill yeah. that creative yeah. need. Yeah. Like, I'll never retire. Like, I will never. I'll be it's on know, tape now that you've said that that I'll never, <laughs> I'll never retire. retire no no like
0: I'll show up at your your fifth Brett Favre and go nope I got <laughs> it fucking back in the locker room you are not stopping
1: that's it <laughs> no like just you know if uh if an audience still wants to hear a rambling old man when I'm 90 years old I, I will still be doing stand-up for sure that's great yeah <laughs> So that's a good thing, because like I said, I didn't
0: see the context, so I thought maybe something. Yeah. the the nature of what what it was, just the the what I was left with, I was like, oh no, it sounds like there's like a health thing or something. Yeah. Like well, that. my so mom I- had
1: some health issues, and she still got some health issues, and you know, I was going through a divorce, and uh, yeah, so uh, I had to find. Uh, so went up to uh, my hometown to help out my mom and take her to cancer treatments and stuff. But yeah, it was a it was a tough two year chapter of my life these last. But uh, I've come through on the other side. But oh, absolutely. Without way question. Yeah, way, way better. Good, man. I'm glad
0: to hear yeah. it. Sorry. Like I said, it was one of those things I thought I was like, oh, I wonder.
1: That's what I told you. I'm, I'm like, it's open book, whatever you want to talk about.
0: Yeah. So. yeah. And I appreciate you sharing it with mm-hmm. us. Um, so, I, I mean, we've talked about your your rise to, uh, to stardom. Um, I also, read some- yeah, man, that's the, fu- think- there's the line of, uh,
1: the, the podcast right there.
0: <laughs> you're, you're in Canada. <laughs> yeah. So it means that it means that you yeah, can be Canadian
1: famous. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I in think terms- I recognize that guy. That's Canadian famous. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, I, uh, I was reading, uh, your bio, right. I like to do a little bit of research, Like you said, right. Learn a little bit first rather than, Hey, thanks for coming. I've got no preparation. Let's right.
1: Talk. I've um, done those interviews. Like when I was doing promo for the, just for laughs tour and they get these radio DJs on going. <laughs> like the interview questions are like, hey, so we got uh, funny man, uh, Pete Zedlacher oh in the studio. Uh, so what's with your uh, headshot here? Uh, like I'm like, that's the research you've done is looked at my headshot. Yeah, <laughs> just
0: like, yeah basically the yeah, person, yeah. the <clears throat> producer came and put the paper down and said, who's yeah, to you talking to today? And you go, well, uh, I'll wing it. So, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the
1: winging questions are like, so you get uh, hecklers at the just for last festivals? Like, no, no, no we of don't course think. not. People are paying eighty dollars a ticket. Yeah, They're not uh, nobody yeah. in that room wants to ruin yeah, that yeah. show. <laughs> they pay. They want it to be as good as possible. You fucking idiots. So anyway. <laughs> I appreciate the work that you put into well, it's, researching. It,
0: it, it wasn't a whole lot, but I mean, I I like I said, well, a I lot haven't of done a stuff, whole lot.
1: So <laughs> <laughs>
0: a lot of your stuff I'm familiar with myself. But one of the things I didn't know is that you were a writer for the hour with George. Yeah, that was my first
1: writing gig. Yeah, George took a real chance and and brought me in for that one season how did uh, that happen um, a, f- a friend of mine was writing for the show and um, I was always interested in getting my feet wet in the in the television writing kind of game um, so he was leaving the show and I said why, why don't you put in a good word for me see if they would uh, bring me in and then uh, yeah so they brought me in they did a little writing exercise and they were like yeah okay let's let's give this a shot kind of thing and then uh, and then quickly realized I'm like oh man I'm making way less doing tv writing than actually doing stand-up right. so i had to juggle the two careers at the same time so that that was it was a tough year it was really tough but uh it was rewarding in 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 many senses because I, I i made lifelong friendships and uh you know I, I we made 156 episodes of television very cool yeah so it, and we got i you know we would do these uh sketches these comedy sketches with the with the guests. So like. The list of people that I've I've done comedy with now, you know, like uh, Morgan Freeman and, and Wow, and uh, uh, Kevin Smith, and I mean the list goes on. That's and very on cool. And all. Yeah, so it was uh that was the rewarding part It was just doing these weird sketches with. And they they trusted the CBC trusted us by the end of by the end of the season not even by the end of the halfway through the season they they gave us carte blanche like whatever you guys want to do like we didn't even have to pitch the sketches anymore they just really like, yeah, just they, they,
0: well that's cool we that they had a lot of faith in of, you guys yeah
1: we had three minutes two and a half minutes of of television time every day to do whatever the fuck we wanted wow and that's kind of unheard of in this country that's you
0: know? also uh, like just in talking about what you're saying before about how your your process is to come up with an idea and then talk it out right. Was that your first time doing professional writing?
1: Yes, Because like, I'll
0: write four paragraphs on Facebook and be like, holy shit, look I at me, the author. You know what I me? mean? I'm a like, good day. wow. Yeah. So the idea that you've got a two and a half minute deadline yeah. every day of every day. written stuff. Yeah. Was it a writer's room thing? Was it, it was a personal a submission? Room. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was a writer's room. So we worked at the CBC building and, you know, okay, today we've got uh, Emily Van Camp coming in. So what are we going to do with Emily Van Camp? So we'd pitch all these ideas. And then uh, we'd find out, oh, Emily Van Camp doesn't want to do any acting sketches with us. Is so she we Canadian? To, uh, no, I don't know where she's from. Okay, I was going to say, I don't, I've never heard of her. I, yeah. figured it was probably I bring she's up Canadian Emily Van famous. Camp because it was the most ridiculous premise. Because uh, okay. we, we pitched a, a sketch for her and her management was like, no, no, she doesn't want to do the sketch. So we oh, had to come up with a fuck. new sketch. This happened a lot. We had to come up with a new sketch with 10 minutes before, you know we have to shoot this. So we're like, so one of the premises that I had pitched was uh, I wanted to pitch Emily van camps, uh, van camp. So it's a summer <laughs> camp where kids get to come to van camp and they paint murals on the side of a van. And then as we improved out the sketch, it was me and my buddy, Scott We discovered that I had won the, I had won the summer camp in a, in a poker game and it was a, a camp for at risk youths. And I was terrified of the kids and it was it just, it turned into a real funny piece of, sketch comedy that we imp- literally improv'd out on camera and then Okay, it. so it did happen. She oh, was okay yeah. with that one? She wasn't in it. Oh, we just did We just, just yeah, did it with we, the name. Like I'm going to go and I'm at cuz all the sketches were I was Pete the writer on the show. So I would so the sketch was I'm going to go pitch Emily Van Camp this idea. My buddy Scott's like you can't do this. <laughs> so, uh yeah, it was uh it was kind of remarkable how much how how much comedy we just churned out yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah well it's funny too when you're silly
0: ideas because i'm sure that like i know that when i'm thinking of stuff i get all these stupid little ideas and i discard them immediately go that's ridiculous yeah. no one's gonna like that but then sitting around talking about stuff afterwards like the feedback i've got just from this podcast alone it's still relatively new i think it's only about four months old mm-hmm. is that like sometimes people will message me and that thing that you said about that i go really that was funny oh wow. I go, that was just i thought it was just talking right but you know, and sometimes you feel like you're goofing around, you're being funny. But there's times where you're just like, so it's it's definitely. I'm sure that you've gotten a lot of confidence for that too. When you're pitching an idea and you go, "Holy shit!" Some of the the simpler stuff is really getting laughs. It must help with just the whole reinforcing that machine of, of being able to come up with premises.
1: Yeah, it all it it was a learning process of uh, of, of just letting that uh, that guard down. You know, because there's no bad ideas. Just keep pitching. Just keep. You're going to pitch 17 ideas and one of them might be okay. Right. Right. And then the next day you're going to pitch 25 of them and zero are going to be okay. You know, you just got to keep... Yeah, keep, you know. Do you have to fight? Like this is something I read in
0: Carlin's book. He was talking about how he hated the. Well, he didn't hate, but he he wasn't a huge fan of the writers' rooms in mm. the sense that he felt like if you really felt strongly about something, you'd have to maybe fight for an idea. Yeah. And he goes, but every time you fought for one and you won, you kind of had to let some others go. Like it was a pick your battles oh, kind of thing. Did you did you feel that ever in a room? In,
1: uh, it's so tiny the Canadian <laughs> comedy writing scenes, right? So it's uh like we, when I wrote for George, there was five of us that were writers on the on the tv show on the talk show whereas letterman and leno ran at the same time uh letterman had 50 writers and leno had 60 you know what i mean so really that many oh yeah so and that's
0: what they came up with every night (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that's you know at one point it's almost like i would would think what do i know but too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing at that point well it's uh,
1: those are all writers but they all submit like obviously not everyone's getting their stuff on right so you know i know guys that write for you know, talk shows now. And if they get one thing on a week, they're, they're jazzed. They're, yeah. They're batting a thousand. Um, Whereas the five of us just churning out a talk show every day was remarkable that we even got anything on the air That was funny because it was, you know, like uh, the daily show had five uh, story editors alone. Whereas we had five writers, you know, right, like, for everything. Yeah. Top they, to bottom they had researchers. They had more researchers than we had writers. So, <laughs> um yeah it was uh it was it was a learning process for sure and it was uh valuable i would think
0: almost the way you were saying that some of this the people the guests on would not want to to do something you'd think it's almost funny. did you get to a point where you're like okay before we even start developing this idea let's pitch it to them and see if they're even on board well we'd
1: have to have it ready we'd have to like really type, yeah to bring bring it to them kind of thing and uh
0: because that would suck if you got like you spent yeah. three hours working oh, on yeah. something and then they're like nope you're like okay literally, well that's scrap let's
1: literally every day that would be you know every other day some fuck. And and it was the bigger stars were always like absolutely do anything you want. Let's. Yeah, and it was always the Canadian celebrities that were like, no, I don't do that. Matthew, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really hope
0: that that gets pumped up with my audio audio software. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. I've I found that just in the people that I've met, I find that the, the guys who are who are doing incredibly well tend to be the most reasonable. Sure, you know cooperative. You know, they're
1: they're fearless because you know like. Yeah, they've established themselves. Whereas these Canadian celebrities were just like, no, I don't want to look bad on this mm-hmm. TV show. Well, it's like, yeah, you're gonna be famous for another afternoon, and then you're gonna be, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you see these like some of the most popular stuff now is the U.S. talk
0: shows where they got these car karaoke and stuff like that. We I mean, know people are singing in cars, making fools of themselves, but it, it humanizes you because people go, oh, they're not untouchable. Just a regular dude having some fun on this right. show, kind of thing. So. Right. I don't know. Maybe the, the people at the top sort of realize
1: that is, you know. Yeah. Good know. point. Good point. I remember Kevin Smith came on the show and he was game to do anything that we were like, he's a celebrity, you know, like, yeah, you know, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a nice uh, learning lesson too. like, yeah, be, be open and receptive to things, you know, like, yeah.
0: Well, I uh, I've got here to something that I've listened to. I just started listening to last year, actually. Never heard of it. Heard of it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Is uh, CBC's The Debaters? You oh, are, yeah. you were a writer for that, and you, you've also been on the oh, show. As one the, of the, the 20 episodes, think, okay, like, twenty two somewhere in there.
1: How's that like? It's great. It's great. It's uh, um, CBC Radio is beyond wildly popular. Like it's it's remarkable. Like uh, sometimes I'll do an event, and I'll get introduced. Like he's. Performed at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal. People are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's performed. Uh, he's won the Sirius XM. Uh, oh, I've heard of that. And then he's done the debaters on CBC radio. <gasps> oh, my God. He's a real celebrity then. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, they, they have a huge listenership. Like, it's uh, wildly popular. Yeah. And I've heard the episodes. Um, they're they're about 22
0: minutes long mm-hmm. when you hear them. But you you prepare a lot more. Oh, yeah. Of stuff than that. For, format, for anyone who doesn't know, is basically like a subject will come out and and you know, you have two comedians, one's debating usually for or against something right. or, or or two different things that are similar veins, which one's better. Mm-hmm. But you end up creating a lot more content than actually what gets used in the end. Yeah, so.
1: and as a matter of fact, I've I've written chunks that have been cut from the from the debate that I've used in my stand-up
0: because it was it was funny enough that I've Okay. Right, so yeah. you build something on that. That's yeah, kinda yeah.
1: cool. All right. Again, the process of writing, or you never know. Like you just Physically sit down and type, and then you create things. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you can keep, and that's the thing you can keep it. If yeah. I'm not using it now, I can store it in a vault, and yeah. maybe it'll tag onto something else. Yeah,
1: no, it's a it's it's a great show. If if your listeners have not tuned tuned in, yeah, yeah. check out uh, the debaters on CBC. Where you can check them out on iTunes too.
0: Yeah, they're definitely available. As soon as yeah. you you've caught yourself up with one man podcast, that's right. Free to check <laughs> For sure, yeah <laughs> I'm just uh,
1: you've, <laughs> you've binged listened to all every episode. Yeah, I yeah. can't.
0: Some people have done that. I can't fathom it. Really. Oh. I got, yeah i mean this interest are you talking about the debaters i thought you were talking about my show i was like i can't imagine someone just listening to me chat for fucking <laughs> yeah i that's what i did i i was yeah. doing yard work when yeah. i first i was like i was just dicking around i was trying to i think answer a question who is on something and uh and i looked at the episode and i found it on itunes i googled right. it and right. i found the itunes page i was like oh i could just listen to it i yeah. thought i had to be listening to the radio no, no. when it aired. and that's so. a
1: relatively newer thing that they've done they finally dumped them all onto uh, itunes but yeah uh and I
0: binged, I listened to episode yeah. after episode after episode, yeah. and it was cool that it was different comics. Mm-hmm. So I get to hear the different comedy styles, obviously mm-hmm. different debates. So it, it stayed fresh enough to be able to binge listen to yeah. So yes, I definitely suggest that. Um, now I want to say too, you've been all over television and movies where there's some uh, favorite experiences in terms of the acting stuff. Oh, because you down, worked on yeah. Romero's, That's uh, the, what was it called? One. Zombie it's called
1: survival of the dead, survival of the dead, That's right? The one I was in. Yeah. Um, I had made a short film years ago called uh, zombie girlfriend. And uh, so I had auditioned for, um, for um, the casting director who was casting this movie and I gave him a copy of my short film. i was like, just, just check, just take a look at it. Just so you know that I'm a huge Romero fan. Um, so then I get a phone call uh, like a couple of weeks later. that Hey, we're going to cast you as a talk show stooge for uh, survival of the dead. I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, what? Cause that's not what I auditioned for. Right. So then they sent me the script and I'm like, Oh, okay. So this is something completely different than what I auditioned for. So we shot it on Halloween. So I'm shooting a George Romero movie on, on Halloween. Halloween. That's with, so surreal. With George Strombolopoulos. So it was, George was the talk oh. show host and I was the the sidekick. And then <laughs> fast forward a year and a half later, I was actually the sidekick on his real life TV real talk show. show. Yeah. So neat. Was uh, that
0: in any way related to the two things happening, do you none, think? Or just coincidence? I don't know. Just Weird, well, the way right, the no, universe you your friend was was there and,
1: right but uh yeah just neat the way the universe works sometimes
0: that's super cool
1: but um yeah so I'm walking I walked into the studio and then I bumped into George Romero and I was like oh Mike <laughs> wow uh hello um uh, yeah I'm gonna be playing uh, talk show stooge today said, oh yeah the, the kid from the movie yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah we're gonna do this I'm like, kid from the movie so then I talked to the uh, casting director afterwards and he told me that Romero watched my short film And then said, oh, we got to get this guy in our movie. So they wrote that piece for me. Like, he wrote that talk show. Wrote you into the movie. Wrote me into the movie. That's fucking awesome. Isn't that crazy? I know. That's the pinnacle. Like, if i have done... Nothing else in my comedy career like that I've got that moment to be like, Oh my God, that was <laughs> remarkable are,
0: are you a big horror movie fan? Oh I'm
1: huge yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: well, oh, like yeah. we can just we can sidestep the uh the, the bio for a second and just say what's like <laughs> what's some of your favorite like horror
1: dawn genres? of the Dead is yeah? my, my go-to yeah, like I've seen that movie a hundred times if I've seen it once it's uh yeah, um yeah, I'm a big Romero fan, so when that came up, it was just uh i couldn't believe it was actually happening. What did right? you think of the remake? good i was actually on the set for that one. Oh, really my buddy was a is a medic so he uh he snuck me onto the set that day and i watched the you know ving rames do a scene and that's super cool yeah it was cool
0: that's really cool mm-hmm. do you do have you, any like uh have any favorites you know horror stuff or the girlfriend and
1: i are huge horror oh yeah movie fans yeah yeah what was it i just watched annabelle creation <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's i did, I I did too i was talking about yeah. so okay because i find right now with horror movies is right. that they have they, they go for the scares the story it's with, all jump scares.
1: That whole movie was just jump scares, there nonstop, was, dude. And
0: I'm so high strung. I'm sitting in the theater with my yeah, fucking hand yeah. on her lap, and the other hand, Jesus <laughs> fucking so I'm like constantly jump. Oh, nice. I'm loud as shit, but it just got the fucking like, ah. and then I'm back to, to normal. But I'm like right. the high E chord wound too tight on a guitar, uh-huh. just plucked the shit <laughs> out of me the whole movie. Um, I, I found <laughs> it freaky, but it, but I mean, the story in horrors is really still sort of gone to shit. That,
1: I, I think it was. Uh, and change to see that movie Mm -hmm. times two. So it's like 32 bucks to see Annabelle creation for me, my girlfriend. And uh, yeah, (laughs) 32. I can think of way better ways to spend $32. Right. Yeah. Come to absolute comedy on Friday or Saturday night. And it's, uh, I think less expensive than seeing Annabelle creation
0: or the same price or the
1: same price. You get as many
0: laughs as you do jump scares. Oh, for sure. Maybe more, way
1: more, (laughs) way more.
0: (laughs) I think my, my, A standard for for movies is like if I've said this before, but if 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 it scares me, it's a horror and it scares me, then it didn't did its job. Yeah, I'll I will I will let go the story in terms if it scares. If I'm sitting there like super invested and my fucking hairs are standing on end, like I'm I'm like okay, then it did its job. I'll look back at the story and go, I'm not going to watch it over and over. I'm not going to recommend it to other people, but it did its job for me. Same with a comedy. could have a stupid stupid story but if i'm laughing the whole movie yeah through, i guess i'm I too guess
1: literal of a mind sometimes like sometimes like a a, a plot device doesn't work or like the, the uh, continuity screws up in right. the movie or whatever it just takes me out of the movie and i'm like well fuck this, this is garbage then. right so and then i and I'm i no, get that i'm not that. scared anymore i'm not entertained anymore i'm just thinking about the how the fuck did they make this mistake in this movie
0: well and it's funny too because i've listened to uh chris hardwick from nerdist uh, mm-hmm. he actually interviewed an epidemiologist that Uh, that's so i I had the root word to figure out what the fuck was so so epa epidemia or whatever is from like epidemic okay so these are people who who go and they like cure diseases and they administer drugs so there's an outbreak of something somewhere they're the ones who go out and try to contain the epidemic and, and and cure it and treat it and all that stuff all right so their their knowledge of biology and everything like that is is crazy and uh and so hardwick is talking to him about like Dawn of the Dead and and mm-hmm. Walking Dead and stuff like that, and and says like so you know what do you think of that stuff? And the guy's like, well, it doesn't really you know I can't really think of it because I know it's physically impossible for that right. th- to ever happen. It's like just the way the body works, and right. And he goes, he goes. so does that that stop you from being able to enjoy it? He goes, well, not, I try to suspend, but I'm like, I just know it's impossible. So when something happens, they're like, you got to take the head. He's like, it doesn't, none of that happens, ah, you know? So yeah. he can't, like, it's the same ideas. He can't get past the science of it to just mm. go, that just would never happen. Mm. So yeah, it's cute. I disagree with that guy. I think <laughs>
1: like, it's totally possible. I think zombies are a real thing. It's but I was just actually. thinking, yeah,
0: the the uh, the Annabelle, I'm like, I, mean, I remember the plot points of Dawn of the Dead being very... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just decent. That scene in the hallway though in Annabelle where you just hear the footsteps in the dark and then it starts running towards the bedroom. That's Yeah, creepy. there's uncomfortable notes. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know. Absolutely. I, I still like being scared. Like I'll watch garbage on Netflix. Everything I feel like you have to watch like 10 or 12. Bad horrors yeah. for every good one that you get.
1: Well, especially on Netflix, it's all one-star movies. That's yeah. on. Uh, Netflix. They got rid of their star system. Yeah, too. I know. I it's think for that bad. reason that there was so
0: many like one-star things. Because
1: on I looked up those one-star horror movies and be like, oh, this one looks really bad. I'm gonna. T- <laughs> <laughs> there was one called Wolf Cop
0: that I was. Oh like, yeah, that's I'm a Canadian sure.
1: movie. Oh, is it? Yeah.
0: I just I remember I, seen it yet, I highlighted the the icon for it yeah and then the picture that showed up on the top banner was was this werewolf werewolf cop. laying laying <laughs> on his side doing a boudoir shoot oh, so and it's a like comedy like, horror movie it's not supposed to be no? that's the thing I'm like why the fuck is that the promo shot that oh. just looks why is he doing a photo shoot just like I don't know it's well, ridiculous wolf cop sounds like it's comedy it does. It does. A lot of horror movies, you would think. They have ones Wolf that Cup. seem serious. That's why. That's what happened in Gremlins. The first Gremlins was supposed to be a horror. Was it, it was, really? Yeah. Oh. And it was so fucking ridiculous that the second one, they're like, well, then let's just Looney Tunes it oh, up and I make see, it yeah. silly. Because they tried to make it scary, and it just it wasn't. I mean, when you have Howie Mandel as the main character. In, in the, movie, the sequel? The first one. Howie Mandel was in the Gremlins? Gizmo is Howie Mandel. He did the voice of does Gizmo. Does he really?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. 30 years later, I'm finding yeah. this out. Yeah, it's Howie Mandel. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Oh, that told! I can hear it now. Like I can yeah. actually—that's like his Bobby voice or whatever. Right? Exactly. Oh, funny. Exactly. He was Gizmo. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good
0: for Howie. <laughs> nice. I don't know if he did the purring that that Gizmo did, but <laughs> but yeah. So there we go. A little sidestep into to yeah. horror. Have you seen any good horrors lately?
1: Hmm. What's the last good one I saw? Oh, 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 oh what am I thinking of? Um, nope. The <laughs> names are not popping in my head. Um, nope.
0: You know what I liked is you had mentioned your little short film that Romero saw, mm-hmm. which I want to plug again. It was Zombie Girlfriend. Can right. we find it anywhere? No.
1: Fuck. Can you put it up? Nope. Okay. It uh, stars my ex-wife and I'm just... I'm, oh, okay. I'm Fair enough. am fucking I, done. Yeah. Done, done. I'll probably never watch that short film ever again. You got to do a remake, man. That's the trend yeah, now. You could, do a remake. Yeah. You put the new yeah. girl in it. It's funny because <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Rob Zombie had a contest years ago. Like he said, uh, submit your short film and then uh we're going to select one of the short films to be made into a feature i was like that's a brilliant idea like yep. a- so then i submitted that that short film of course it went nowhere but uh i would have liked to have seen that happen well there's
0: there's uh did you see lights out
1: yes okay that's the one that, that was i wanted a short to reference.
0: film yeah there was okay perfect and i had a feeling that might be i yeah. wanted to add it too because that reminded me of the whole like there's a little trend now where people are doing these little short films online mm-hmm. and studios are seeing it going, well, what if we expand yeah, yeah. that idea? So believe it or not, the lights out was obviously a short version that, that became a full one. And did you know that the director mm-hmm. of lights out is the one that just did this new Annabelle
1: creation? He directed that. Uh, Jordan Peele was the, who that was a get out. Oh, get out. Oh, what are you saying? thinking of Get Out? <laughs> oh yeah, okay. What's lights out?
0: Lights Out was like a horror where there was this thing that was in the light, but if you flick or sorry, it was not <laughs> not visible in light, but you flick the light off and it's in the dark. So basically keep the lights on, you're safe, the lights go off and this this creature woman thing is there. Great. It was a wow. I saw the short film on YouTube. It was one of those things that, you know, a few years oh, ago. Yeah. Saw it in someone's newsfeed and it was just someone who's going to bed. This, this woman, he's got actually four or five of them on the internet. If you like creepy little shit, this guy does a bunch of, I think great, I know what you're describing l- where he turns in the hallway, off the hallway and, then, and standing, yeah. there's something standing at the end of the hall, yeah. turns it back on. It's it gone. Began, turn it off. Yeah. So, and it's yeah, and then it's closer. Yeah. So she goes into a room and turns the light and it's flickering. Yeah. And, you know, she sees the light in the hallway turn off and whatever. It was, uh, it was creepy.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're getting creeped out.
0: Yeah. I, Hey, I like that guy. Lights out. Hey, it's called lights out, but they, they developed it into a, a full feature length movie. It came right. out a couple of years ago and same, same premise. In fact, they had the same woman from the short version do. Recreate almost the same scene in a warehouse instead of thing. Yeah. Good movie. It's not, it's not changing the game on anything, but it was a good, a good adaptation of these little YouTube Uh. video. And, and then that guy was the one who directed the new Annabelle creation. So he got his full length lights Mm -hmm. out and then directed Annabelle creation Mm working with uh, what's his face. James one on
1: that. Right. So I like that whole universe that James Wan has created. That yeah, The, the, the Conjuring,
0: Conjuring, and, the, and uh, he wrote Saw. The Warren. I didn't know he wrote Saw. He wrote oh, a directed Saw the first one.
1: Did he really? Yeah. That's and same with thing.
0: Insidious. He yeah. he will do like the first two of something, and then he moves on to something else. So
1: yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool for for you know movie fans is that the Patrick Wilson yeah. was in Insidious, and then he and then was he in became, The Conjuring as well. As so it's kind of yeah. I, I, you see it when directors like someone yeah. that they bring them along to their other other projects, right. whatever. But yeah, there's a great, there's a ton of little YouTube videos that are like these little five to ten minute right. horror flicks. If you Google it, any for any listeners too, if I hope this is entertaining, but uh, if you Google like you know top ten you know uh, YouTube horror flicks or okay. whatever, you can find these little you know just lists of hey check these out, yeah. and then they have the links and the, the oh, thing, nice. and you can watch them. Freaky as hell. Yeah, uh, yeah, but just if you like that kind of thing, uh-huh. cool. but but ghetto was great. Yeah, that was really fucking it was brilliant.
1: It was. Um... I, I think it's one of the most successful independent movies of all time kind of thing now. Yeah. So it's time uh,
0: magazine put Jordan Peele as one of the top 100 most influential people in Hollywood now yeah, because of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if Jordan Peele listening to this, <laughs> I, I think we <laughs> should be, be best friends. I think we should, uh, me and Jordan Peele would be, we'd, we'd be buddies. Oh yeah. Yeah. He sounds like amazing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Amazing Funny dude, dude, horror movie guy, you know, I've seen I listened to a few of his interviews. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're buddies. We're yeah. Yeah. I mean, we along. Bill, yeah. Another
0: yeah. great thing about listening to like these long interviews. Mm-hmm. Cause that's one of the reasons I like to do these is that like you see an interview on TV where it's like a five minute at most thing where it's just very quick. Hey, how was that? And you mm-hmm. know, what did you do to get ready for this? But it's always short and fleeting. You don't really get to know the person. So, yeah, I think I think he's a stellar dude. I listened brilliant. to his, his that, Nerdist interview. And yeah, it was just that's the one I listened to too, yeah. Did you? Yeah. yeah, and he was talking about how he was such a big fan of like Rosemary's Baby right. and Halloween and how right. all these little things were, you know, nods and homages to, to so, different things. So when
1: Romero died, I was like, oh, I wonder if Jordan Peele ever got a chance to talk to Romero. Like, because that clearly the get out was inspired by Night of the Living Dead. Like that whole, you know. Yeah. I would love to have be a fly on the wall for those two talking about their movies together. Like that would have been a, a remarkable conversation.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Even the guy, I, I heard this term when I was looking up James Wan. Have you ever heard of the splat pack? No, that's what they call the group of guys. James Wan, Eli Roth. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There's like a few of them who are all like notorious horror movie makers. Rob uh, Zombie. I don't know if Rob zombies in it, but just this, this new age of guys who are doing mm-hmm. all like these horror sort of Corey movies. They call yeah, them yeah. The, the splat pack.
1: You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a and Eli Roth is now doing the the remake or reboot, okay. I guess, of uh, of uh, Death Wish. With uh, have you seen that preview? With uh, Death Wish? No. Death, no. Death Note. No. Death Wish. Death Wish. Like the old, the old uh, Charles, Van- Charles Bronson movie. Oh, from oh back right, in the right. Day I with, don't want to say Van Damme. But with yeah. Bruce Willis is going to re re launch the movie or whatever.
0: Did you know that they are mm-hmm. rebooting Tales from the Crypt?
1: Oh my God, for real? Yeah, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna really deflate you though. Oh, M. Night Shyamalan.
1: Oh, I like it. I like him. Okay. Shaman. Okay. I think that's a perfect fit. Like he would, he, he makes Twilight Zone episodes, like just out feature length Twilight Zone episodes. Uh,
0: I feel like he makes Stephen King novels at feature length episodes <laughs> where it's like a great premise and that a great a story. And right then there. a huge disappointment
1: at the end. Sometimes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, King, King's getting better at his, his, his endings. That's for sure.
0: I think he sold the rights to the shitty endings to Shyamalan.
1: <laughs> Cause right
0: around the same time they started changing well so yeah i'm excited for that when are, are they gonna have the out, crip
1: Keeper? is it gonna be like I, the whole I, thing
0: so they say i I, yeah. Googled, I saw it online very briefly it wasn't like something that was advertised to me it's something that i stumbled across mm-hmm. so i'm hoping it's real i'm hoping it's legitimate mm. but they had 2017 2018 and ish time frame yeah, so so maybe yeah i mean me too i think it's showtime that's doing it mm-hmm. i could be wrong okay but uh it's not cbc <laughs> no <laughs> yeah cbc got nope. the uh, the yeah. rights for it yeah <laughs> fuck see that's what I, mean. I uh so yeah i mean just like i said uh i, I like the idea I, I it's very cool that you've been all over television and movies any any just to, to bookend that is there any experiences from that or anything like obviously romero seeing your thing and writing yeah a that you, was that's pretty fucking
1: cool. I, I can't top that one that's for sure um yeah you know my acting career is i, I think i've played a cop 13 times <laughs> like that's what happens in Canadian uh, film and television like they they bring a production up to Toronto and they they have you know like all the major casting is done in LA or New York and then all the supporting characters are all cast in Toronto so it's right. like oh there's a movie being shot in Toronto great you know there's seven roles for actors with three lines each you know so I think after the 13th time I played a cop, I told my management, I'm like, I got to be done with cops. Like yeah. I have like I played a street cop. I've played a detective, a uh, special investigations unit guy. Um, and I was like, okay, so unless it's um, like a conservation officer, <laughs> I kind <gotta> of start <laughs> thinking of other kind of cops that I can play. So mall cop, you can do the mall cop. Yeah. I guess. Or... Secu- no, I played a security guard. did, did you? That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. With, um, uh, Laura Vanderhoof. Do you know who that actress is? She it was sort of rings a bell. Yeah, she's, she was what's... on V and she's, uh, but I remember she was like 17 at the time. And, I, and just Im- immediately I was like, oh my God, you're going to be a star. And uh, and she had a balaclava in the scene. Like she we had a fight. Oh, okay. And I told her, I'm like, wow, you're going to be a big TV star and a movie star. And I'm going to tell people that I w- worked with you, but they're not going to believe me because you got a balaclava, balaclava on your <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah. And then sure enough, like a year later, she was on the cover of Maximum. Like, oh, my God. Um, okay. What was yeah. her name? Laura oh. Vanderhoof.
0: Vander, Vanderhoof. Maybe I do know who you're talking about. Uh, if I had a pen. It, well, uh, it was on. What the
1: was it? Uh, oh, uh, Sue Thomas FBI. That was the TV show I worked on. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, that's Sounds interesting. interesting. Played, a, played, a, played a security guard. <laughs> got
1: beaten up by a girl.
0: Yeah. The back of my head's on Trailer Park Boys movie. Oh, we nice. Stood, stood in the snow. In the same day that we filmed. Uh, I was the legalize it. We filmed on Parliament Hill for 420. Mm. The same day it had snow, mm-hmm. rain, and beautiful sunshine, mm. all for like a 30-second scene. Weird. So most of it got cut out because all it right. didn't make sense that right. in one second the sky is black. <laughs> and the next second it's beautiful sunshine oh, yeah. out there. But it, what made it to the movie was the back of my head in between Ricky and Bubbles. And there you go. So
1: You're a no movie one, star. No, yeah,
0: exactly. Yep. No one will believe it. I go, you see that that receding hairline in the back, that weird sort of, <laughs> yeah, that's me. My, my flaw proves it. Um, you're a regular entertainer for the troops. And yeah. To bring that up. Yep. Um. That's, like, that's
1: my, my pride and joy. That's my, yeah. uh, that's my big feather in my cap. That's i uh, I'm super proud to, to jump on board anytime they, they call me up to ask if I can do a show for the troops. So how did you get
0: started in that? Like, what's, what's, what are those experiences like? Is that's something that even a lot of, of huge comics yeah. either don't do or don't get to do.
1: Uh, April of 2002, I got a phone call saying, uh, hey, would you be interested in doing a show uh in Kandahar <clears throat> for the Canadian soldiers? And it was the day that the news broke that the American soldiers had dropped a bomb on the Canadian soldiers uh, in the friendly fire incident. Wow. So I told my manager, I'm like, have you seen the news today? <laughs> like, this is a really bad timing uh and i said so what's the details and they said well we don't really know it's it's a three-week commitment you're going to be in and around uh afghanistan you got to keep it under your hat that you're going to be over there you can't tell anybody kind of thing and immediately i was like yes of course yeah i'm going
0: why is that if you don't mind asking i'm um, trying
1: to put together why they wouldn't
0: want you to tell anyone that you're going to be there
1: i think just for you know like war war secrets you know like right, you don't okay. want the enemy to know anything of about intelligence about what's going on or whatever if, if they know that there's entertainers going to be in in theater then, then they people might, are less
0: less at their posts or something like that or
1: maybe more of a chance to you know demoralize if they you know hit his, his hit us with a bomb or something you know mm-hmm. if they kill some entertainers that would be it would be disaster disaster to the war effort like if, if there's if, some entertainers if, that i would
0: send and <coughs> oh want the enemy to yeah, yeah. know that they're gonna be there. <laughs> absolutely <Just laughs> let the taliban know
1: hey we're sending this guy out there but uh I was, I, I think I was, and I've exaggerated the story so many times, but I think I was the fifth comic to be asked to do that first tour and the four guys turned it down in front of really? me. Well, and, and I understand. I knew two of the guys that, that turned it down and I understand why they turned it down. Cause they were married with kids and you know, like, so they were, so, okay. So it was a. Uh- I would never
0: ask you to name names, but their, their reasons were legitimate. Just, yeah, absolutely. Just, they okay. were like,
1: yeah, absolutely. Can't, can't go because you know, if they get killed then their wife and children have no father and no income, like, so that, the same reasons people wouldn't join the military. Right. And at the time I was 27 years old and fearless and like, yeah, like let's do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that first opportunity was uh, yeah. April of 2002 flew over to Kandahar. Changed my life. Changed the way I, I look at the world. Changed the way I, I look at the our, our soldiers and how they uh, how they represent us overseas. Like they're the best example of us. Like they are really. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. They are. Yeah, they. Uh, we are in good hands when we are represented overseas. That's awesome. They're good diplomats yeah, over there. They are. They. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm working on a one man show currently uh, called War Comic that I hope to have up on its feet for uh, 2018 that um, just a collection of all these war stories of me, uh, you know, my eight tours overseas and and dozens of other little shows that I've done over, over time. But you know, Kandahar, Kabul, uh, uh, the Persian Gulf, you know, um, any stories Qatar. that you want to share
0: here? Not necessary if you're saving it for the hour, but
1: uh, is there anything? Well, what unique? kind of like there's a, a million stories, like funny ones and dark whatever, ones. Whatever you want
0: to share. Anything that you would <clears throat> want people to hear about what's going on, whether it's funny or, or serious. Like,
1: Well, one that's uh, that really changed the way I uh, a quick one. We we The last one I was uh, I did in, in Kabul, we were driving out of the city. In uh, in bombproof uh, Land Rovers, and these kids were running along the side of the, the the trucks, and kind of made me nervous. Like, what the fuck are these kids doing, right? But they were, it looked like they were trying to like flag us down, and I was like, what's going on with these kids? And they're like, oh, they're just waving at us. Like the kids were waving, and as we drove past, we we drove past a school that the Canadian soldiers had built for these kids. Uh-huh. So, so anytime that they, they saw the Canadian flag, they would run and they wave to the so it's soldiers. Just like a gratitude. With, it's just as yeah, a, Hey, it's the good guys kind of thing. Oh wow. So it was just that moment of going from like, Holy shit, these kids are going to fucking attack us to, Oh no, they're, they're actually giving us thanks because, and then, Oh, that's the school we built for them. Like, how, how the fuck did these stories not get out? Like this yeah. is, this is stuff that Canadians need to know. So so when I got back to Canada, it was uh, it was very important for me to like you know tell these stories on stage and and let people know that you know Canadian soldiers are are kicking ass over there and 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 representing us properly. Excellent, yeah,
0: that's great. And I'm cool. looking forward. What was the name of the one man show? War comic. War comic, and that's something that you're developing. Something, right I'm, now. yeah.
1: So we'd had a little run through at the comedy bar in uh, Toronto uh, a few months ago, It went great. Um, I'm hoping to put it up in some of the fringe festivals around the country, get it worked up, and then uh, hopefully for next year get it in uh you know the uh montreal fringe the toronto fringe you know and then we have a very small one
0: here <clears throat>
1: do you really yeah we have okay. a fringe for us. it's getting. in the last few years i've seen
0: it grow in popularity yeah. a lot of local guys i've seen the montreal ones and there's a lot of shows that happen there yeah in the last couple of years i've seen the ottawa one really really growing too and a lot of people like a lot of demand for the the shows and stuff too interesting so. yeah i'll let you know when i yeah find out when so uh,
1: yeah so that's something i'm going to be uh, working on and then eventually hopefully uh, get it on its feet, get it shiny, sharp, yeah. funny, Tape and it. then bring it to uh, Edinburgh. I'd like to bring it to the Edinburgh. Oh, very week. cool. Yeah. yeah, so very cool. So some long-term goals for the next uh, year or so. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, well, I like that. I, I'm looking forward to it. Too. Like I said, I, I wouldn't ask you to share all the stories just because you want to keep it. It's me. it's but that's it's a one that's one-man a great show, thing.
1: and that's how I discovered these stories because I was I was kind of journaling them. Like, oh, what am I going to do with these? And I'm like, oh, it's it's not really stand-up. It's some of them are like darker and some mm-hmm. of them are like and uh, you know just slice of life kind of thing but it's, it's hard to like stand up is like set up punch you know you need a laugh every 45 seconds otherwise it becomes right. a little you know ranty and so it's a little more of a one-man show where it's you know just storytelling and
0: well especially if you're telling stories about like you said <clears> things that are particularly dark at some points you just you need to to release the tension as well too right. so it helps to have a little laugh point after yeah. some stuff
1: stand up stand up comic audiences they just want to laugh like you know if Mm. you if you come to a one man if you come to a theater show you know you're going to be brought on a journey and there's going to be a story that you're going to be told yeah so
0: new muscle yeah absolutely i'm well like i said i mean i'd love to hear it i've heard of of other comics who are going over there and stuff and and you know you hear good stories and and Mm -hmm. things like that um i've I've heard of guys
1: losing fifteen thousand dollars going over there you know just plugging away and not getting an audience over there it's terrifying but yeah uh
0: yeah i'd like to and you can. still you still go? This is it still a, a relatively to Edinburgh. You mean? Is no, you I'm mean? talking about going overseas to perform for the troops. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, um, I was like, they lose fifteen thousand. I thought they were giving up the work to go entertain the troops. Oh well, that's uh, and that's then, yeah, true yeah, too. But yeah.
1: uh, no, I was talking about. I thought. I'm sorry, we're on a different way That's like okay. There. I was. That's on, okay. <laughs> I was still on Edinburgh. You were on uh, <laughs> military tours. Yeah. No, uh, I, get, uh, I get phone calls all the time, but you know, sometimes I'm just double booked. I can't do it, kind of thing, and I have to turn it down. Um, last one I did was. Um, Canada Day with, um, at CFB Shiloh with, uh, Loverboy. Me and Loverboy rock. I was that, dude,
0: really. I had like three Loverboy songs I was listening to this morning. Is that right? Oh yeah, going through like I I think I Googled it for uh, uh Everyone's Working for the Weekend, yeah. but then I just kept going through the greatest hits. It's Loving every minute. Of it was remarkable how many songs they had.
1: Like I did the same thing when I got booked for it. I'm like Loverboy, and I looked it up on Apple Music. And I'm like, yeah. every song came up. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> Why don't I know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Dude, last year I I was going through <clears throat> what's his face? <clears throat> okay, of course I can't even think of his name now. Mm-hmm. uh lonely is the night guy the stroke what the fuck is his name oh uh oh shit um okay so at least he's not just stroke. stroke.
1: yeah stroke me
0: stroke, stroke me, stroke me. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah well that, yeah, guy, that guy i was like how do i not know his yeah, name yeah. was the point i yeah, was trying to and make and i still don't so still there you go illustrated it perfectly yeah so uh but i just remember like i pulled up one of his um it's not chris it's not chris <laughs> no i'm like no, it's definitely not chris no. isaac or something no like it's me. not chris isaac at all fuck sakes all right well whatever i'm that sure there's moment people with um, people are screaming at the fucking yeah they are, right now. are you a, fucking how kiddie? do you not know yep can't be two-tone <laughs> but the Tommy idea two-tone. was yeah so that happened like a year ago that guy, my god like, how do i oh i know all these songs mm-hmm. how did i not know who this guy was well yeah i guess still not <laughs> should have wrote it down <laughs> in the fucking phone See? I? that's
1: exactly right because it's gone now we, uh, we're standing side side stage, me and my girlfriend, and we're watching Lover Boy from like me to you away, like holy shit, it's fucking Lover Boy, and just smiling and, and kind of dancing around. And then Mike Reno sees us side of the stage or whatever, and then walks over to us and then puts his hands out. So then Melody just goes up and gives him a hug, and then I go up and I give him a hug, and he says Happy Canada Day, and I'm like, This is the most Canadian thing that's ever happened to me. That's <laughs> like, fucking amazing. See if Mike <laughs> Reno from Loverboy hugs me and says Happy Canada Day. That's amazing. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's fucking wicked, dude. I so we already. I mean, like one of the questions I had, but we sort of approached earlier so is just your process. Or we we talked about your process. Do you have anything that you would say to you know uh, you know younger comedians or any younger creatives? Any anything that that you would say? Just this, yeah. just keep this in mind. Anything? It's it's okay if you don't. Oh, I, I do. Mean, we did talk about a lot. I do. I
1: I I always tell young comics get into Canadian stand up comedy for the right reasons. Like mm. if you're in this to become famous or if you're in this as a stepping stone to get into you know acting or if you're if you're if you have any other reason to get into stand-up besides the love of stand-up then this isn't for you kind of thing because you're not going to get discovered there's not going to be a moment where you know you're going to be plucked out and you're going to be put into a sitcom it's just it's just not going to happen right um get into stand-up because you love stand-up comedy like there's a there's the art of stand-up is is still amazing to me like 21 years in i still get excited like i've got a new bit and i'm chomping i'm excited you know sometimes i'll throw it at the beginning of my set just to throw myself off balance you know yeah so if i ever lose that kind of lust for stand-up i think i i would hang it up because that's the only reason you do stand-up is because for the love of it right right um you know if you're if you're good at it and you can make a lot of money like doing stand-up comedy but that's you're going to be it's like winning the lottery if you're, yeah. you know, so it's, it's still
0: work as much as when you start, work. it feels like a fraternity, like you were saying the early days, just being at spirits. Yeah. hanging out know, with your brothers and drinking beer. It's so much beer. fun. Right? So much Do it fun. for a beer. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. But still, I'm still out there on a Tuesday night doing Vern's in Calgary, you know, or, you know, the you know, a number of open mics where there's, like I said, there's 10 comics sitting around and four audience members, but you know. Right.
0: Now, is that something I can ask? Cause that didn't mm-hmm. occur to me before, but it, was there a particular reason that you moved from? from uh ontario to to alberta
1: yeah i did a lot of tv writing we had talked about you know writing for george and writing for ron and uh i wrote for a tv show um called still standing for a while and then uh when i was you know transitioning trying to figure out what i'm gonna do or where i'm gonna go you're a tranny yeah i'm a transsexual
0: yeah
1: (laughs) my vagina is beautiful
0: you just had to break it up there going back to that <laughs> reference guys we're, bring, we're, we're yeah, bringing just, it back pete and i are getting, bringing it back in a very loving accepting we sort we of way. got some letters out of it. <laughs> <nowhere. laughs> yeah. anything to get people to write in I asked them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i'm at a point in my in my comedy career where i can i can literally live anywhere because i'm on the week on the road on the weekends anyway so um calgary's always been a nice fit for me i, I love the calgary comedy scene i love the city uh the mountains are right there you know um so I thought, you know, instead of going back to Toronto and then really just going back to square one and then, and, and, you know, hustling for TV writing gigs and, you know, move to Alberta where it's uh, everything is literally 30% less expensive than downtown Toronto. Right. Um, And then, and, and I'll be honest, be a little bit more of a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Right. Uh, well,
0: it kind of reminds me of what you said about how just challenging. You're starting again. So yeah. why not? challenge yourself throw yourself off kilter a little yeah, bit just exactly something new it, right so, so that's, next f- that's thing you know, cool. i've
1: written half an hour of, of stuff about alberta and being the the new guy in alberta and what's going on so that's going to be my next one-man show that's going to happen after war comic so i've got plans for one-man shows up until 2020 i guess okay that's until we get cool. rid of uh, trump
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that good luck that's with that that's a whole new fucking can of worms yeah <laughs> So we had talked, so I was, I mean, my next question was what's next for you. We know what it is. We know it's the, uh, the, the one man show about Canadian forces. It's the one man show about Alberta. You had mentioned off the top of the show that you've got some things coming up. Can I just bug you for, for those again, for anyone? Yeah, I'm going to go to,
1: uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm the fourth guy of the Snowden comedy tour. So this is uh, uh, for people in uh, Western Canada. You know what this is. This is uh, four guys uh, started out uh, nine years ago. Dan Quinn was the, uh, the lead guy who had an idea of like just booking himself into uh, ski resorts just in exchange for uh, you know, some lift passes. And so he uh, get, <laughs> and then, uh, so he, he started to research it and then other comics were like, well, I want to do this too. So then he said, okay, well, instead of doing the bar gigs, let's do theaters. So he, I think they did six shows in that first, first tour uh, nine years ago, and it was successful. Uh, then the next year they said, well, let's do it again and let's expand on it. So I think they went from six shows to 10 shows uh and then this past year it was the ninth year of the Snowden comedy tour we did 52 shows in uh, in three provinces wow so, uh and next year we're talking about well this year actually we're going to start in alaska and then go from alaska bc alberta saskatchewan manitoba and end in thunder bay at the end of march so it's going to be almost a four-month tour that's awesome yeah so that's uh Uh, so it's going to be, yeah, the same four guys. So every year we have to have half an hour of new shiny comedy every year to, uh, to do for that tour. So that's, that's what keeps me going to the, uh, the open mics and hitting. Right. So
0: that's a, that's a huge tour too.
1: Yeah. That's great. So, So that's, uh, that's coming up in, uh, yeah. In, uh, December through March. Uh, and then we're going to do our first kick at the can of touring Australia in October. So same, the, same tour. Same tour. Here. Yeah. So it's going to be a scaled down version. It's just me and Dan going to go out and uh, do a two man show. Um, yeah. So we're hitting Perth, Adelaide. I don't know if you've got fans in or listeners I from Australia. I have six
0: downloads in Australia. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Well, for the so. six people that have downloaded <laughs> from
1: Australia, we're going to be a snowed in You can check out, we're going to play Adelaide, Perth, Newcastle, Gold Coast, uh didgeridoo biggity bunk and then uh <laughs> sydney
0: <laughs> it could actually be a place i'm laughing like it's mine. yeah no i just <laughs> and uh, and of course i always ask is there uh is there anything that that uh you know you'd like to add that maybe we didn't we didn't touch on was there anything
1: i'm looking forward to the the shows all week here in, in in ottawa it's been a long time since i've uh i've done a club here i think the last time i performed here was the uh the National Art Center with the the Just for Laughs tour. So yeah, it's, uh, I it's,
0: remember that. Yeah,
1: I remember that. So it's uh it's nice to be back in uh in Ottawa and uh yeah we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. So that's correct. We, yeah, we, yeah, this
0: will be available for, for on Friday morning. So you guys are listening to this on Friday, hopefully. Yeah. Otherwise, you 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 know, banked it for something to listen to on the week <laughs> Monday and realize you missed uh, you your you opportunity miss to to see Pete.
1: Yeah. Uh, but we did the first show on a Tuesday last night and it was, uh, I, th- I think sold out. Like it didn't look like there was any seats in yeah. there at all. So it was, it's remarkable. Did room. you enjoy the room? I did. Yeah. yeah. Except for that mirror in the back. I'm like, Jesus. yeah, it's weird. Man. It's like a strip club for us. Fucking ego for us. <laughs> it ego yeah, for yeah. us yeah. We're like, yeah, it yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs>
0: bite your lip. Yeah. So where can people connect with you if they'd like to just sort of know what's going on with you? Do you Twitter
1: have- at Zed Facebook um, Facebook.com backslash Pete at um, yeah, and then ZedLacker.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. do you?
0: Is it easier for them to just go to your website? Is that yeah, and typically? then it's got links to all the okay. you know
1: whatever your favorite social media is: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, I've seen
0: that. I've seen your stuff on. An, uh, is it Instagram that I'm seeing with I the knew, the, sh- the shots of you coming out on stage with people in the background? Yeah, do that's the uh, yeah. And?
1: So we did that on the Snowden tour. I was doing a lot of those uh, selfie. Yeah, and, they were, but they were cool. cool hey? They yeah. were very, very cool. In front of to like fourteen hundred people. On. It's it's fun to do those. So, yeah.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 I liked it. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down Josh, and talk it was with me great. today. It was a good, yeah, good, thank you good so good much. Podcast. Awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing the feedback and, of course, finally getting a chance to see you live yeah. this weekend. Thanks so much for sitting thank down. Thank you. With I appreciate it.